Hello listeners, it's Natalia Mota here. Thank you for listening to Arta Podcast, which simply shares stories behind art. For the last few months, I've been interviewing one of the most successful artists who based in Hong Kong. So if you are curious, you want to feel inspired, or hear how to be an artist in Asia, this podcast is for you. And if you want to learn more about the show, please visit artaapp.com and don't hesitate to leave me a comment. I would love to hear what you think about the show, what you would like to hear in the future, and anything really what is in your mind. Thank you so much. Welcome to episode number five. In this episode, we'll explore street photography, which is one of the most challenging, but at the same time, one of the most rewarding types of photography. I had the pleasure to sit down with one of the master of these genres, Michael Kessler. So what exactly we talked about? We tried to understand what is fine street photography and how to develop an eye to capture the right moment in the right place at the right time. We also talked about a real cool project, how to mix photography with passion and graffiti. So if you are looking for new ideas, stay with us. Hi, Michael. Hi. I'm so glad that we could finally meet and I had so many questions for you and I tried to prioritize them. So first of all, can you briefly tell us how you become a Hong Kong-based artist? Well, thanks for having me. Um, interesting question. Ho- hopefully the story is equally as interesting. Um, I guess the, the condensed version is that um, I wound up in Hong Kong, um, originally from Minneapolis, um, by way of Tokyo. Um, so I was in Tokyo for 10, 10 11 years um, before moving to Hong Kong with my wife and daughter um, about four and a half years ago. And just had a great opportunity to move from Tokyo to Hong Kong. And in doing so, um, it was for uh, my wife's career, as well as a chance for me to um, start a new business in Hong Kong that I had just recently started in, in Tokyo. And you actually mentioned to me before our interview, so you were in finance, um, you, you were very successful. Uh, and how was the process like? Oh, wow. Uh, great question. And um, I don't know. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> um, through a lot of quite unusual twists and turns. Um, and I'm not sure that I was so successful in finance. Um <laughs> Did it only for a few years, three or four years in Minneapolis when I was quite young um, and really wound up doing that um, by chance. Um, had finished university, did a degree in German, and then as you naturally would, you wind up in banking for a few <laughs> years. Natural progression. And I quickly realized that wasn't for me. Um, and then after some some travel and weighing some options, I had an opportunity to to go to Japan. And that ended up after a couple of trips back and forth from Japan to the US, getting traction. And I ended up staying in Japan for a long time, um, but then was teaching. So I had gone back to do my master's in education and second languages and cultures. 
back to Tokyo, um, taught at a few different universities full-time. Because I had so much um, holiday time, um, university teachers, we have a lot of free time. So all of these school holidays, um, I think at my last job I was teaching only four days a week. So you've got three-day weekends, plus you've got all these blocks of time off. Amazing. It was amazing. Um, and either you're going to use that time constructively or you're not. And because I was doing a lot of photography, I was increasingly doing more and more and more. And with all of that holiday time, it ended up being a situation where I started to think, I'm doing this much of it anyway. Would I be able to take this full time? Mm. And I also realized after having taught for many years in a more conventional setting, in a classroom setting, um, and, and also almost exclusively Japanese students, um, that that wasn't something that I wanted to do long term. Um, to be honest, I felt like I, I, was, I was just kind of existing doing it mm -hmm. and not really reaching, um, reaching my potential. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, if there's any way to turn my photography, um, the art side, the teaching side into something bigger as a business, um, I wanted to try it and had started doing it our last year in Tokyo and then that then translated into what I'm doing now in Hong Kong. And how do you find um, the Asian market and more specifically Hong Kong market photography? Um, it's interesting. I, I think it's, it sort of depends on what aspect of the market that you're talking about. Um, I think that there's a lot of interest in photography. You've got people that are actively taking more photos, creating more images than we ever have had in history. Um, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So there's that side of it where there's this really pronounced active interest in, in photography. Um, and I think you've got Hong Kong as a, as a city that's growing a lot artistically, if, mm. if that makes sense. Um, I think photography has always been kind of the, the I'm not sure how to characterize it, the, the, the less appreciated stepchild of fine art, painting and sculpture and so on. Um, and I think that's hopefully changing a little bit in Hong Kong and mm -hmm. in Asia in general, where you see people appreciating photography, maybe not quite on the level again of, of painting and sculpture, but moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I'm hoping that what I am doing with my photography, as well as a lot of other artists, are, are helping to push photography more into that, into that fine art realm rather than just documentary photography, um, more traditional street photography, but doing stuff that's, that's mm -hmm. a little bit different, a little bit more daring. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not even sure if I've answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, of course, you answered my question. Kind of, um, as I ramble on and on, but yeah, I think that, I think there, there are two sides to, the, to the, the Hong Kong market. I think you've got your business mm -hmm. side of it, and then you've got the art and the creative side yeah, and it's yeah. wherever those are are coming together and, and trying to find those little openings to, mm -hmm. to make things work. So you think that Hong Kong's 
it's transforming slowly from they this do. commercial side to the art side. Um, I, I do, but like everything, you, you, you never really know. And, and, and it's not a it's not a linear process. So mm -hmm. so you have points where it seems like that's changing, and then maybe you regress a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it is changing for sure. The question is, how long will it take mm -hmm. um, for it to, to change on a on a fundamental level? Yeah. Got it. Um, now, so you mentioned fine art street photography. So what it's fine art, street photography, how you would describe this? Like, what what do you like to capture the most? And and um, if it's, it's really hard actually to, uh, I, I think, translate what is commercial and what is art. Um, I actually met a very famous fashion photographer, um, Nick Knight, uh, okay. a few weeks back. And sure. he mentioned that, um, you know, it's like you are going to a museum and you are seeing these amazing paintings and you are not asking the painter how, what kind of app you use to do this shape. Correct. However, for photography, it's a bit different. And, mm. and people are very interested in what kind of uh, equipment you are using. Right. And it's actually kind of important. So if you can tell us more about, about these insights, you as a photographer, mm. and what fine street photography is. Yeah, another, another good question. Kind of a tough question. Um, and, and I think... Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of little questions within your within your larger question. Um, what what makes something fine art versus just photography? And and to be honest, I think a large part of that is just where, as an artist or as a business person, you're trying to to place yourself in the market or or which category you're trying to to put yourself in. Um, the other side of it, I think, is. Um, the, the nature of the photography and and as you say what what separates photography from art is photography art to what extent is photography art and these are questions that quite frankly I love because there's a lot of philosophy behind it and, and a lot of great conversation um, what I try to do in my photography and I think where whether I'm trying to be unique or, or just trying to be different is to give what I do a more a more creative approach to what I consider traditional street photography. When people hear street photography and, and when I'm when I'm doing workshops, which I do a lot of in Hong Kong, this is one thing that I ask my my students or my clients, it's what does street photography mean to you? What's that definition? When people have ideas and a lot of it is based on a more traditional definition of black and white, more documentary style, um, capturing street scenes, capturing scenes on the streets, in a city, in an urban area, whether that's people working in a market, whether it's, it's daily life happening on a, you know, on a side street or in an alley. And I think that's a big aspect of street photography, but also not one that I happen to focus on mm. a lot. Um, I, I tend to focus more on abstract elements, um, ways that I can take something quite simple, normal, mundane, everyday, and flip it in a way that is something that people haven't seen before. Um, whether that's using reflections, again, using abstraction, um, using a lot of blurred motion, which I use a lot, 
um, sh- shooting in 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 the rain in a wet environment where you have the potential for almost like a watercolor effect. Really, anything that I can do that's um, that's strange or different, I, I try to apply to my to my <laughs> photography. And and I guess for me, the the end goal is to produce beautiful images. I mean, that's really what I want to do. If, when it comes to the art side, I want images that are aesthetically pleasing to people um, that they ultimately want to have up on a wall, whether it's a wall in their home, in an office, in a restaurant, in a gallery, but it's on a wall where people can see it. Um, and again, whether that's got aesthetics um, that appeal, that combine you know, color, abstraction, reflection, light, lines, um, I just try to avoid the, the, the more, I guess, typical definition of, of street photography, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Less, less literal, um, more on the artistic creative side. I, I, I have to say that personally, I, I love actually this series, where, this what you mentioned, where it's a bit of um, blurry or like the lights are, are, are just um, playing the main role in, in, the, in the picture. and. And you you can imagine a lot as well. So I think it's 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 a kind of a mystery thing. It's like oh, like sure. I want to know more, and and this is something which I could definitely put on the wall. So great job because I mean it's like <laughs> well, I've know, got one fan, so that's good. <laughs> I, I you have uh, actually thousands, thousands, and so. <laughs> uh, actually well, it's it's uh, you are so popular on Instagram and on all social medias, um, and your works are, are are so popular as well in in Asia and also in US. So. Well, uh, good job. We'll see. So, Thank you. And, and but you, 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 you make a really good point also, Natalia, when you talk about um, leaving something to the imagination. And that's something that I really try to do with my work. Um, I don't tend to talk a lot about what something means um, or when I title my work, which I always title every image, okay, what does that title mean? You know, how, how does it actually relate to the image? I use a title that makes sense. Um, or that just comes to me mm-hmm. and the idea with the, t- the marriage of the title and the image mm-hmm. is that it should mean something to you, that you extract meaning from that, that you um, see it in your own way and then you know somebody else might see it a different way, most mm-hmm. likely they will, and then another person yet another way. It's not my, my job or my goal to give my work meaning, that's mm-hmm. your job. Mm-hmm. That's the viewer's job, and and I think for me to ascribe meaning to what I do is super pretentious, mm. and I I just don't feel like that's that's the role of an artist in that sense. I'm I'm always happy to sit down and have a conversation, and, and like we are today talking about my work, but as far as to to say that that it's got meaning and what kind of meaning it has, mm. again that that's that's not. For, for me to say or decide. I think mm-hmm. that's for, for everybody else. Mm-hmm. So if there is meaning, um, that's great, but that's that's gonna come from the other side for me. And, and then I think as well, the idea that oftentimes in a photograph, particularly street, it's the person that's the main character. Um, I think in my work, it's the opposite. I think the people are often the supporting actors. They're kind of behind the scenes, in an abstract way, out of focus, blurry, um, the the term we use in photography, a partial where you would have a section of somebody intentionally cropped. 
that to me allows you to think about the image and again to assign meaning to it in your way to me the urban scene is actually what what gives everything shape mm. and the people again kind of become less important mm-hmm. they're there to fill a role but i think again a lot less important than for a lot of photographers mm-hmm. well, that's, that's something which uh, i truly appreciate i've been through that you are giving us um, beautiful uh, beautiful uh, photography plus you are giving us this this opportunity to to as you mentioned imagine and have this our own ideas of what's going on and and uh, kind of create our own story of each each piece mm. so talking about this actually I, I was I'm always curious um, so as you are giving giving your audience the mission to uh, to kind of create the story behind the painting a lot of street photographers they have a mission to showcase some problems or issue right. um, or any happy moments, for example. So there is sure. a lot of different uh, different uh, mission behind street photography. Is there any particular photographer which which change your opinion uh, about any subject or a person? Mm, that's interesting. Um, and that's, I mean, you're right. I, I think a lot of street photographers, again, using this more traditional documentary or narrative approach they're using street photography to create a series that that might showcase a social problem mm-hmm. that that might raise awareness for something that's otherwise unseen mm-hmm. or or using a series of work to tell a story okay this, this is what's happening in this part of the city that most people might not be aware of or it's presenting it in a different way um and again for better or worse that's that's not really really what i do um if, if I'm putting together a series of work, again, there, there might be a story in it, but it's not going to be an overt story. Mm. It's, it's going to be images that are connected through an aesthetic element rather than a narrative. Mm-hmm. But to really answer your question about photographers, um, I mean, I, I admire a lot of them and, and I get a lot of, get a lot of inspiration. I get a lot, a lot of ideas. Um, particularly through books. So I'm a big collector of photography books. And I know I'm taking a long time to answer your questions, a really circuitous um, path to the answer. But one thing that I say to people a lot is in photography where, where there's this obsession about gear, buying more gear and more lenses and more you know little fun gadgets that we can use. And I love all that stuff too. But I'm probably one of the least likely gear people. Um, and I say, don't buy gear, buy books, right? Buy the gear mm-hmm. that you need, but don't buy five lenses that each of which you're going to use once or twice a year. Um, or then you sell them back and get new lenses or whatever it is that you do. Buy books. This is where you learn. You learn through seeing these images. Um, Instagram can be great as well, but I think there's so much of the same, same, same on Instagram going back and, and looking what other photographers have, have done um, their series of work, even if it's not something that you do, there can be a lot of ideas even passively in all this stuff. Um, two of my absolute favorites, one is Daido Moriyama, 
He's a Japanese photographer in his 80s. Um, does a lot of very um, gritty black and white. Um, not even sure how I, how I describe him beyond that. Really interesting kind of odd camera angles. Um, very messy in a lot of ways, which always intrigued me. Um, we get very caught up in with digital photography and everything being clean. You look at Instagram and you see people's comments, oh, this is so clean. Like that's the new goal in photography is to be clean. I, I, I don't like it. I, I want to be, I, I want to get dirty yeah, with yeah. my photography. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other is Soul Lighter, who was an American photographer who did a lot of work in color at a time when his contemporaries were doing black and white photography. Um, one of his books actually is entitled Early Color, and it's, it's a book that every artist, photographer, aspiring artist should have in their collection. It's absolutely amazing. Um, mm -hmm. Using abstraction, he shot a lot through, um, through like wet windows in the snow and in the rain. Um, a lot of umbrellas, just really interesting, abstract, very painterly mm -hmm. photography, which is something that I always try to bring into my into my work. I'm not a painter, but I love the idea of bringing this this style, this watercolor style, into what I do. So those are two big influences for me. Um, Martin Parr, who's a British photographer, has done a lot of really interesting series that have influenced me, um, even though his style is quite different. It's more, again, a little more literal, mm -hmm. but but is quite funny in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, I yeah, I, I could go on and on, but those, those are probably three big ones. Um, for portraiture, um, Annie Leibowitz has, has always, of course, done some amazing work and is an absolute icon. So I love to look at her work and just see how she's approached portrait photography as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's 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 great. That's great. And um, I, I think all the photographers, like I mean, uh, they are they are so different. So absolutely. So, uh, the the first photographer which you mentioned is more about the city vibe and yes. to show people. And as you mentioned, that the imperfection as well, right? So that's a great real, word. Yeah. Real uh, people, um, real situation. And I think this is this is the, the heart of the street photography. It's to yeah, not agree. as, for example, fashion photography, where you want to show perfect world, perfect, beautiful, clean picture right. uh, to to kind of sell product. Why right. um, with street photography you are selling you are selling the uh, realness, this, yes. this this raw image of of each city. Absolutely, there. And, and I think. I mean, the, the word that you use, which, which I love and I use it a lot myself, is imperfect. And it's, it's finding the beauty in the imperfection. It, it's not trying to present this, yeah, this kind of unattainable, perfect image of something. It's actually focusing on the aspects that make it imperfect and highlighting those, but then obviously still trying to present them in a really... Um, uh, engaging sort of way, yeah. in, in a beautiful way, and, and that's I think. I mean, you could you could say, well, okay, if you if you're not trying to to create these clean, borderline perfect images, then you must just be going and snapping around and, and 
finding whatever you can, but that's not the case at all. I think it's actually a lot harder yeah, yeah. to 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 do it in the way that I'm doing it, where you're you're focusing on the imperfect, but you're still trying to to cultivate beauty from it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a huge amount of technique that goes into it, um, and then also a huge amount of trial and error because once I, I land on a lot of techniques kind of accidentally when I'm experimenting and then it's trying to get back and, and, and reproduce that to create a series of work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then realizing that it's super fucking difficult. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that word, but I, I just said it. Yes, so. you can. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, um, so you actually uh, mentioned about, about this tremendous amount of different techniques um, and I am just curious if there is any universal tips which you are giving to your um, to your students as well um, about street photography. Is there anything uh, which uh, which is universal and they could improve their skills about uh, street photography? Right. Yeah. Definitely. I, I think. Um, I mean, I think the the aspect that a lot of people don't want to hear is that there's. A huge amount of practice and repetition involved even on the art side and I think most artists would say that in order to be successful at a certain point you have to put in the time the hours and that at some point that time in those hours there's going to have to be some structured mm. repetition to what you do so you mentioned about about repetition you mentioned about putting a lot of time and work in um, uh, to become a better street photographer. Is there any particular project which you are very proud of because you spent tremendous amount of time to, to learn new technique or to, to actually sit in one perfect spot uh, to find the perfect moment in the perfect time? Because that's very important about street photography it as is. well, right? Yeah. And that's... that's that's interesting and, and kind of funny in a way too because I think there's, there's a notion in street photography that you just walk and snap and that if you get lucky you get these great moments in your walking and snapping and, and if you don't then well you don't um, but I think actually what happens in the walking is you find the locations and those are the locations that you realize are worth either spending some time or what I always say is um, I like to revisit locations. And then this actually dovetails back with your last question, which is what kind of advice do I give people, aspiring street photographers, and how to improve is by going back to the same locations repeatedly. Sounds a bit boring, but go back to the same locations, revisit them, go different times a day, go when the weather is different, when the light is different, and you start to identify um, how many different ways you can shoot the same locations. Mm. So I guess one way of answering your question is I'm, I don't know if I would say I'm proud of that, but that's been a really interesting realization many, many, many years into my photography is that I'm a lot more aware of the importance of spending more time in fewer locations than less time in a lot of locations. So it's something that I call working the location, going back mm. and, and developing a series of work around 
this location, there might be multiple kind of mini locations kind of inside it. Um, rather than feeling like, and especially what we see on Instagram, is that you have to go to you know, this particular building to do a shot or this particular housing estate, that the shots are kind of all around us, but it's really a matter of, of learning how to shoot and when to shoot and then what the potential is by going back quite often. Mm-hmm. So that's, it, it's not necessarily a particular project for me, um, but it's, it's this kind of philosophy of that's really where you get a lot of material and where you get a lot out of, um, out of a location rather than, again, necessarily walking, shooting, and, and hoping that things come of it. Mm. Um, you've probably heard of um, Fan Ho, however you want to um, to order his name, and he's also a big influence on me. And interestingly, I'd never heard of him before I came to Hong Kong, which I'm kind of ashamed to say. Um, same me. Um, really? Same, same. I actually discovered him just like two or three years ago, and, and then I was like, wow, like how, how come he's not... Exactly. Uh, it's incredible, right? He, well, he, I mean, he's since passed away, what, a year and a half ago, two mm-hmm. years ago? Um, but reading one of his interviews and then having looked at a lot of his work, he would spend hours and hours and hours in a location. He would sometimes find a location and he would spend all day there. Is that a little bit insane? Absolutely. Um, is that what you need to do, perhaps, to get a certain shot? Probably. And crazily, I've talked to people that say, oh, well, that it doesn't have as much value then because he didn't just get it at the spur of the moment. And I think it's the opposite. He actually had the genius to recognize that there's a huge amount of potential here. I'm going to spend as much time as it takes to get to reach that potential, to get that shot that I've got in mind. Or maybe he just spent so much time there um, not even knowing what he wanted to get out of it, but learning, you know, hour after hour. Um, I have a huge amount of respect for that. So that's something that I, I, I try to put into practice. I'm not saying I've spent an entire day in a location. Um, but interestingly, you might have just given me an idea with this question for a really cool project. is to go spend an entire day in one location and shoot it over the course of time. Um, I'm sure people have probably done a variation of that, but it would be cool to try to do something with that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So maybe that can be our project together. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Talking about your art routine, do you have any specific time of the day where you really feel like, like it's usually even just a Rekha moment? Yeah, um, it probably varies. I mean, anytime after I've had coffee helps. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I have really started to enjoy... Um, more and more and more shooting at night. And as you well know, Hong Kong is a beautiful night city. Mm -hmm. Um, Light, color, um, movement, motion, abstraction, all of this. Um, So I feel like I get a lot of great ideas at night. If I'm I'm out with my camera at night, um, sometimes I'll have a beer or two as well. That doesn't Mm -hmm. hurt. (laughs) But just to get out in in that kind of environment, um, there's a real um, freedom to it. And that seems to be a time where I get some really good ideas um, for series that I'm working on. Um, 
not necessarily the best morning person. So yeah, later in the day probably tends to be a more productive day or productive time for me. And often too, just you know, working on working on edits and and, and doing you know other aspects of the business. I'll, I'll often work you know late into the evening, or I'll, or I'll work you know a bit in the morning, take some time off again in the afternoon, and then again in the evening. So just kind of blocks of time rather than feeling like I need to work you know consecutive eight or ten hour a day. Um, and and I work usually seven days a week in in some form. Right, but the luxury of working for yourself and being freelance is that you have some control over how you construct your time. So that's yeah. quite lucky. That's actually very important for uh, it entrepreneurs, is. and uh, it's it's to own your own uh, your your day uh, yeah. instead of or, being or, strict between. Exactly. Oh, I need to wake up at this time. Yeah. I need to be in the office. Or, or for us to at least have the illusion that we have control over our days, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I think some sometimes it, it's more an illusion than than reality because you end up working probably more than mm. a lot of people who work fairly structured, Correct. kind of nine to five jobs. But it's those okay. I can pop out and get a coffee now, or I can do this, or I can run an errand. Um, but it's funny. I since I live in the mid levels and I'm out around in mid-level Soho, Central, Shangwan a lot. I know a lot of people in those areas and I run into a lot of people often. And you can just tell that they're wondering if I ever work. <laughs> That's right. You see each other out. It's like, does this guy ever work? It's like, no, I'm working all the time. It's just yeah, you happen yeah. to see me in these 10 minutes when I'm not working, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember who said that lately, but um, so you know, being working for yourself, so in, you are choosing to work 100 hours per week mm. instead of working for someone else 40 hours per week. Right. So that's actually what what uh, working for yourself is. It's yes. like you are working all the time and you have no structure hours. You need to always reply. But right. in the same time, I think it's um, more rewarding, um, and and it's something which which you can. Um, you can design from A to Z, right? So yes. this is something that you are uh, you are giving to, to, to the world. And talking about giving to the world, I, I know that you like to collaborate with other artists and mm. you like to try new things, new techniques. Um, can you tell us about your recent uh, collaboration and what is the mission of the project? Um, well, yeah, it's... How much time do you have to talk? It's a it's a long it's a long story, but I'll I'll give you the short version of it. And th- and this was um this was something that has probably been in the works for about a year. So that gives you an idea how sometimes sometimes projects come up and then take quite a while to develop, um, or maybe get started and then you end up taking a break and coming back to it. And that that was kind of the case for this one. So, um. There's a, a shop in, in Shingwan called Maka, which um, is owned by um, a woman named Magdalene. She's French and, and a fashion designer. Then two other people got involved. One is Trisha Darling, who's a really good friend of mine and um, also a photographer. And then Huey Doherty, who's the owner of Print House in Hong Kong, and who's also an artist and a painter. Um, So ultimately, what we did was taking Trisha's and and my photographs, we 
half-toned the images, so we took the color out of them. We had acetate prints made. Still can't even tell you exactly what that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, we then worked with Huey at Print House to make screen prints. And then we took um, canvases, T-shirts, and actually wooden pallets that would be used for deliveries. Um, and we we painted, hand-painted the T-shirts and the canvases. I'm thinking carefully about this process because there were so many <laughs> steps. Um, with acrylic paint. And then we painted the palettes with spray paint. And I have no painting background whatsoever. So that was really cool to be able to do like some of the spray painting and so on as well. Made me feel like a, a teenage vandal. <laughs> um, and then we screen printed over the top of the painted part. So you've got different materials that we used. And then you've also got different like substrates. You've got different, different levels and materials that are at work. And where this all ties in is we liked the idea of connecting this project to sustainability, recycling, upcycling, this idea that we are and, and should be currently more conscious about all of those things. And I think we know that in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, my daughter who's eight comes home from school telling me about what she's learned, which is sometimes more than I have about the environment and okay why are we doing this at home and why aren't we doing that and why are we using plastic and and so in Hong Kong as well we, you've got this ever-changing kind of evolving city where there's construction non-stop um, you walk down your favorite street and there's a new business there that wasn't there yesterday or, or a restaurant that's replaced um, your favorite restaurant and with that, these walls that I got interested in that are always changing. So you've got a wall that someone has tagged or done a piece of street art on, but then somebody else comes and adds to it or changes it or covers it up. And it's all of these layers and layers and layers. And I think cities by nature are layers and layers and layers of things and people and structure and mm -hmm. architecture. Um, so it, it kind of all made sense albeit maybe in kind of an abstract way, but tying all this together. So it was the layers of the city, the layers of the walls, um, ultimately the art project, the, the, the layers of the, the paint and the images and the original surfaces, and then the idea of tying this to the fashion side and the clothing where we can take these bits that come from the city originally and put them onto clothing and have people get out and, and be wearing these things. So it could Such be, a great idea. well, it's, it, it, but it, it, it just happened, right? Like we didn't really know what we were doing with it. And then all of a sudden it just, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it just becomes this project unto itself. So I don't know if that's, if that's the right process, but I think, Again, going back to your other question, that's kind of how things tend to work for me. It's like you don't necessarily know what the end is going to be, or maybe you have the end in mind and you have to fill in the middle. Um, but I think it turned out really, really interestingly, um, particularly the palettes, which I believe you've seen. Um, and yeah, I'm so obsessed about the concept of, of recreating something which otherwise would be destroyed or, or just like lie somewhere. 
and 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 having a piece of art on on something which wasn't a piece of art just exactly. a few days ago. So yeah. it's and it, incredible. It, it, it gives gives us a reminder of what what the potential is for that sort of thing as well. That again, um, rather than always disposing of everything, okay, we're done with this. Let's throw it away. Or even, you know, perfect example with these you know, holy jeans that I've got on today. <laughs> Let's throw a fun patch on them and, and, and just do something different. Um, it, it could be with the intent of making them last longer, or it could be just to do something cool and interesting on the fashion side. But I think those two things where you, you might have thought they had to be exclusive, they could actually connect with each other. Um, so it was quite cool to work with a group on this and it it actually came together quite smoothly for us in the end and then what we're hoping as well is that this is just the beginning of it this is something we'll try to extend and expand on do some workshops um, relating to photography relating to fashion and design and, and printing, printing. Yeah, as well so um, whether it's bringing some groups of kids in or whether it's us going possibly into some schools and organizations probably doing some stuff on site at MACA mm -hmm. as well over the next, you know, three or six months. Um, mm -hmm. So definitely we'll keep you posted on, on the developments. Yes, please. Yes, please. Uh, I'm so happy to, to see this kind of collaboration and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's so many good uh, thoughts in it as well. And, and also collaboration with, with other artists, I think it's, it's bringing these new and fresh ideas uh, to town. So this, this is really awesome. Well, I'm glad um, you like it. Thank you. Um, and the last question, because we are running a bit late, um, I wanted to ask if you would have a chance to hang out with uh, some super famous artist, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Does it have to be a photographer? No, no, it can mm. be literally uh, anyone from. Uh, if you if you think that uh, Michael Jordan is an artist, uh, <laughs> well, I do. I, and and actually, it's funny you mentioned Michael Jordan because I'm a pretty big, pretty big basketball fan. Oh, you see. Um, although he wouldn't, I don't think he'd be my choice to hang out with. Although I I think he's still the best of all time. Um, that's a good question. I mean, just just for fun, since we talked a lot about photography, if I had to pick a photographer, it probably it would have either been. Um, Soul Leiter, um, who's dead, or um, Ho Fan, who's also dead. I think just because I have so much respect for their work and maybe not even so much to spend time with them and ask them questions, but just to watch them. Mm -hmm. would have been quite cool to watch them shoot and to watch how they shot. Um, also because I think you learn a lot in doing that. Again, when, when I do workshops, it's I always encourage people, especially in a group, watch each other, watch me, look how I approach things. Um, you learn a lot through observation. Mm -hmm. um, and then before you start shooting, spend some time looking at your surroundings to see, you know, what the rhythm is and how things are, 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 are moving and working mm -hmm. and, um, you know, what the light is doing and things like that. Got it. Um, so now I just wanted to confirm where your fans could find you. Um, offline and online so if you can tell us your online present and then also where they can find you if they would like to have a workshop or um, Absolutely. or just a conversation 
Well, they can probably find me on the streets of uh, of Hong Kong pretty easily, first of all. Um, pretty easy to spot in around, again, like Soho and Xinguan and kind of Sangpun areas. Um, but uh, otherwise, yeah, online, um, I'm on Instagram, um, MD Kistler. Um, and then I um, can easily be reached through my, my website, which is Michael Kistler Photography, um, which is... I guess a way for people to access information on workshops, plus what I'm working on art-wise and and all the other little bits and pieces that that uh, um, that go with those things. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, uh, my and pleasure. It's such a pleasure, yeah. and I, I look forward to see your new projects and collaboration. That would be really cool. Thanks again for having me, Natalia, and, and really appreciate the time and the interesting questions. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I hope you had as much fun as I had when I was talking with Michael, and I hope you got inspired to try new things, to experiment, and to just have fun with photography. Um, talking about this, please don't hesitate to leave me a comment on my website, artaapp.com slash podcast, and I would love to hear what you would like to hear in the future. It is extremely important for me, and I would love to make the show better and better. So don't hesitate to leave me a comment, and hope to chat with you soon. Bye!